We are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 today. That's page 995 if you're using a pew Bible this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. If you were here last week, you realize we're staying in those same two verses as we kind of launch this study in Second Timothy, which also, if you were here last week, you heard me say that this is actually just a long introduction to the book of Romans. A few uh, months ago, really, I kind of announced that I thought Romans was the next place that I was going to go as we would walk through the book of Romans, and then realized that that uh, first I wanted to go to Second Timothy. And so I've kind of gotten out of that little dilemma of not telling you exactly what we were doing by saying that Second Timothy is just a long introduction to Romans. And that's really what it is. I think it, it really helps us, and I hope will help us, as we go into Romans to get a better feel, I think, for the weightiness of that particular treatise of Paul. It is, a, as I said last week, and I'm not going to go back over all of that, it is, it is his greatest work, I think, that we have in the New Testament, uh, the, the most extensive work about the gospel, certainly, that Paul has given us. And, uh, and I walk to it with trepidation to some degree. I, I walk there and think about walking through that with, uh, with some weight in that because it is so important to get Romans correct and right. But that's where we're headed. And the reason I think Second Timothy is valuable in that is because we find in Second Timothy that Paul is at the end of his ministry. He is now under the second imprisonment in Rome, and uh, he knows this time he's not going to get out of it. In the first one, he was pretty sure that he would be released for the sake of their joy. He would be released so that he could continue to minister and uh, for the sake of their joy, tell them about these words of life, which is the gospel, is the way he talks about it in Second Timothy. But this time he knew it was different. This time he knew that most probably he would die in prison. He would not get out. And in fact, that is exactly what happened. He asked Timothy to come to him quickly, bring his cloak and bring his parchments. And we don't know if Timothy ever got there. We really don't know if those parchments and that cloak ever arrived for Paul, we do know that he didn't get out of prison. We do know that he died there. And uh, he experienced what he had said other places, for me to live is Christ. That's what he said in First Timothy, but to die is gain. And he was going to experience the gain of death after this imprisonment. So the reason for that, the reason why I want to go to Second Timothy and think it will help put a, a different picture for us, I hope, on Romans, um, or a weightier picture of Romans on us, is because you begin to get Paul's heartbeat about the gospel, about what he has been giving his life to, is the words of life, the way he described it in in. The first chapter here, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. He he knew that truth, and that's what we centered on last week. You can listen to it. It's online. 
The words of life. He knew they were the words of life. He knew that they were the only words of life. And he knew that he was not going to carry them on anymore. And that somebody else would have to do that. Somebody else would have to pick up the mantle of disseminating that truth to the world. Now you understand, we tried to make this picture last week, but there was no Bible then. There were individual works that now make up our Bible, the, the writings of Romans and First Timothy and all the epistles that Paul had written and, and other things, but they weren't collected yet into one place. They had been circulating around the churches. It was only later that, that the canon of Scripture would come together and, and we would have it in the form that we have it. And so what, what Paul was thinking is, who is going to continue to, to give this apostolic message that, we have, that I've written about, but who's going to carry it on to these churches and, and make sure that it continues to flourish in other places here, this message of life. And you feel that way. You feel the ethos, really, of Paul's heart when you look at Second Timothy and how diligently he attempted to prepare Timothy to do this. Uh, one of the things, one of the points we made Last week, again, which I think puts it in context, is we are, we are moving now from the apostolic age to the non-apostolic age. In other words, the apostles were the ones that God used to, to declare truth. He spoke through them in the writings of Scripture or people that were very close to them pinned those words under the influence of that apostle. And, and that's what we have in the Bible today in the New Testament. That's how we got it. That's where it came from. But Paul knew that 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 door was closing. That apostolic age was closing. He was going to die. And the non-apostolic age was coming. And uh, who would continue to take that apostolic message on? And Timothy was the one who rose to the top in Paul's mind. And as I said this morning, as I made that illustration about Hank this morning, he Paul says later in this very chapter, uh, this faith first rested in your grandmother and, and then in your mother, and I'm sure now Timothy rests in you. And you are the one. You are the one that I believe God is going to use, along with others certainly, but Paul felt a special kin, kinship with Timothy in this work and in what was happening um, we see the full weight of what I think, this is, this is what I want you to see this morning a little bit, the weight of, of what Paul felt that he knew he was lifting off his shoulders. In some ways, I'm sure it was bittersweet for Paul because there was a weight being lifted off of him that was then going to be in some ways, not the same way, Timothy wasn't an apostle, but, but was going to be laid on Timothy and the ones that would follow him. It's going to be laid on them. That weight we, we hear in the book of 2 Corinthians. Let me, let me take you there for a minute to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just let me read this a minute. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. Paul is talking about and recounting here and defending his apostleship, that he's, not, he's, he's an apostle. And he says these kinds of things in, in uh, chapter 10 as he uh, recounts the kind, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as he recounts the, the sufferings that he's experienced, and he says these kinds of things when he defends his ministry of all the particular um, 
difficulties that he has experienced and, and had happened to him as an apostle. And then at the end of that, actually it's chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, at the end of that accounting of being shipwrecked and beaten and, and wrecked at sea, and, and he goes on to say, uh, I was stoned three times, I was shipwrecked night and day, I was adrift at the sea on frequent journeys in danger of rivers, in danger of robbers, in danger of my own people, in danger of Gentiles, danger of the city, in danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. He just lists a litany of things that he had suffered for the sake of Christ. And then he stops and apart, apart from other things. And, and I think in some ways he may be saying, and, and, and worst of all, worst of all, maybe, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. His anxiety for all of the churches, his concern for all of the churches. You see, that's, that's the weight coming off of Paul's shoulders and being laid in some ways on Timothy's shoulders. That weight, the weight of carrying this message forward. Passing the baton of faith to Timothy. Admonishing Timothy in chapter one saying, guard the deposit of truth, Timothy. Guard it. Guard it. Guard it. And as you see the intensity and hear the intensity as we walk through Second, Second Timothy, the intensity with which he admonishes Timothy to guard this truth, I hope it will make us feel the same. First of all, to, to make sure we understand this truth, and there's no better place to understand the fullness of the revelation of the words of life in the book of Romans. To not take it lightly, to not breeze over it, but think hard about it. Because we, too, are to pass it on. It, it wasn't just Timothy, but it was all that would follow Timothy. The admonition to, to not lose the deposit, but to continue it going forward to the generations, just like here today, the generations that come after us, that, that the message not be lost. Today, in verse 2, we want to look at that now for a moment and uh, just take a few minutes to continue to look at Second Timothy. I think it has application to us this morning in light again of what we did here this morning. But there's three words. After he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life, he talks about words that describe that promise of life. And oftentimes in these introductions, sometimes we can breeze over them. But what he says is grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, to Timothy. And what you could insert into that without doing any disservice to the text, I think, is say grace and mercy and peace to you, Timothy, to you, from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Those words, in in many ways, as you understand them, are are what that message of life is about. They describe it. And that's what Paul does in the book of Romans. He lays it out, line upon line, precept upon precept. But here as he writes in, in, in the first part of his letter to Timothy, he knows how important those things are for Timothy. He wants them, him to experience them in all of their fullness. 
more and more. And that's what we want for these children. We want them to experience the grace and the mercy and the peace of God. That's why we did what we did this morning. That's why it's important to, to consider and pray for the generations to come, that they will grasp those truths. So today, for just a few minutes here, we're not going to be here long, but I just want to quickly um, look at those words and, and make some notations about it and some insights about them that I hope will be helpful to us as we dive into this book fully next week. First thing that I'd ask for you to notice here in this, to see, is that this is not unusual for Paul to, to give this kind of admonition in the first part of his letters. That's why sometimes we have a tendency to kind of run over the top of it. Because every book that he writes, he, he will do this, and most times he says grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. In this case, he inserts another word in there to Timothy. He says grace and mercy and peace to you, Timothy. To you, Timothy. And again, I think as you see the words to you, Timothy, and the way he describes him, my beloved child, my beloved child, I think that may be the reason why he deviated from his normal way in which he gives that introduction or that greeting to people as he writes a letter. I think it had to do with the feelings possibly that Paul had for Timothy. You start to see again the the depth of the relationship that the two of them had. He says, as I said last week, there's one place in, in, in in his writings to Timothy, there's no one like you, Timothy. No one. No one that has been close to me like you, Timothy. You have a special place. As I'm reminded of that sincere faith in you. And so I think here he begins to just personally add that word mercy. And I wonder, we we don't know for sure, but I wonder if it was because he himself was recounting his, his own experience with God. One of the things that I know as a pastor, when you're working with people and you're trying to trying to convey the truth to them and pass this baton of faith on to people. I mean, you begin to share of your own experiences some and and the things that are precious to you and glorious to you are the things that they're going to catch as glorious themselves. There's, you, you, can't, you can't talk about something and say it's glorious without really believing it is or they'll realize, they'll, they'll read through that. They'll read through it. They'll understand. You're, you're talking about something that is is at arm's length from you. And so I, I, this was not at arm's length from Paul, this idea of mercy. It wasn't some biblical, theological concept he's trying to pour into Timothy. It was what he had experienced. He'd experienced the mercy of God. Paul had experienced it, and he writes about it in Acts chapter 9, the conversion of Paul in the book of Acts. Let me let me read it to you here a bit, just just to get a feel for the the way in which Paul had come to see the glory of Christ, how God had planted faith in the heart of Paul. And, and as you read it in Acts chapter 9, these are the kinds of things that it says about Paul. Let me read it to you. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus. Uh, well, let me begin at verse 1. It says, but Paul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went 
to the high priest and asked for the letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. In other words, Paul was persecuting the church. He was coming against it. He was, he was arresting Christians. And then as he traveled along, suddenly he was stopped. And the scripture goes on to say, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a, a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. He was blind. And so Paul there is, is struck down on the Damascus road. Jesus appears to him. Why are you persecuting me? And then there was a disciple, it says, at Damascus' name, Ananias. That's in verse 10. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in his vision a man named Ananias. So Paul is blinded, and in his blindness, he's praying, praying, I'm sure, for mercy. He has just encountered Christ on that road, and he knows what he's been doing, and he's been blinded and led and the scripture says he's praying and he's given this, this vision of Ananias. And so in preparation for Ananias to come to him, Paul's already been prepared. And Ananias says, I've heard much about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. That's what God said to Ananias. Now stop for a minute. Paul is persecuting the church. He's on his way to imprison Christians. And God appears to him. Christ appears to him. And says, you are a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. Paul is converted. Paul is converted. And he's He's in the midst of that doing much evil. Now think about the mercy that he must have felt. Think of the mercy of God, realizing that this Jesus, in fact, is the Christ. You see, he didn't believe that. That's why he was doing what he did. He was a Jew of Jews. He was on the fast track to go to the top. He believed he was doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden, Christ appears to him and he realizes he was doing the wrong thing. And what do you suppose he could appeal to but the mercy of God? And that's exactly what happened to him. And so in light of that circumstance, can you just imagine the conversations that he might have had with Timothy? Can you imagine why mercy was such a precious truth to him? And what mercy is, you don't get what you deserve. That's what mercy, that's what it's defined as. You don't get what you you deserve. Paul knew. He knew what he deserved. He knew it. My own experience of of fellow Christians and, and brothers in Christ, particularly colleagues in ministry, 
one of the one of the sweetest kinds of experiences of fellowship that I have known with other colleagues in ministry are the times when you just sit together and you think, why in the world do I see these truths and others don't? I remember time and time again people who, who we would just sit together and say, why? Why do I believe? Why do I believe and others don't? Paul must have thought that because there was a time when he didn't. He didn't believe Jesus was the Christ. And, and he, I'm sure, had conversations with Timothy about how God had opened his eyes even when he was dispensing evil upon the church to these truths. And he and Timothy must have talked about that, must have talked about the mercy of God. Mercy is so important to see in the Christian faith. One of the key truths for these children to to see one day is the mercy of God. Because you see it when you see your sin and you realize what what it should happen because of that. And we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul had sinned. We all have. In fact, Ephesians says this about all of us and every man on the earth, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how Paul writes to the Ephesian church. At one time you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we're going to talk about that word in a minute, by grace you have been saved, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, so that no one can boast. So the first thing to see is that he inserted the word mercy. But God, by his mercy, do you do you know that today? Do you, do you cherish that today? Is it right at the top of the things that you are grateful for in your life? I hope it is. I pray it for these children. But there's more. There are more gifts. That's a gift. Mercy's a gift from God that we don't get what we deserve. That it was poured out on Christ and not us. But secondly, there are more gifts. There are other gifts. The second gift is the gift of grace. Not only does God give us mercy, but he, he also grants us grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting favor that's unmerited. It's the, the benefit that God gives to us. Mercy just, just doesn't give us what we should get. But grace begins to give us what we don't deserve. And so grace, mercy, both of those are gifts. And finally, and finally, those two things, as we begin to see them, as we begin to see that God is merciful and that he gives us grace, then it leads to a third thing, and that's peace. We begin to see that because of the mercy and the grace of God, we have peace. We've been reconciled to God by mercy and grace. The promise of life 
The promise of life is grace, mercy, and peace. Again, listen to what the word tells us in Romans. This is where we're headed to these kinds of truths in Romans. But it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also gained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And then down in verse 10 of that same book, it says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's what, that's what Paul knew while he was an enemy. He was reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more now are we all reconciled, who are all reconciled should be saved by his life. That's the truth that Paul is conveying to Timothy, reminding him of the grace and the mercy and the peace that he has. To you, Timothy, more and more may you see it and glory in it and find strength from it, is what he's writing to him. And all of it, the third point I would make, is that all of it, all of that, peace, mercy, or uh, grace, mercy, peace, all of that resides in a knowledge of Christ. That's, that's where it comes from. That's, that's the, where, the, where we connect to that it flows to us. A knowledge of Christ. A knowledge in what he has done. That's, that's what Paul came to see. He became to see, yes, he is the Christ on that road to Damascus. This one I've been persecuting that I thought was, was an enemy and was not the Christ is in fact the Christ. And so it, it's the, the word of Christ. Romans in another place says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Grace, mercy, peace come to us through Christ. Thank you for shutting me off. Here, let me close with this this morning. This is what I want you to see, and then we're going to move on into 2 Timothy next week. In all of the books, in all of the epistles that, that Paul writes, as I said to you, he always begins with terms like grace and peace. In 2 Timothy, he inserts the word mercy. That's one observation to make. Every book, you can go back this week and read the epistles of Paul, and you'll find in every case he does that. But he also does something at the end of the book. And turn with me, just take Second Timothy for an example, and, uh, and turn with me to the end of that book. He also does something else at the end of all of those books. Grace, peace, mercy to you. And then at the end, he will say something like, grace be with you. So, to you, and then as he ends, with you, grace. To you, these things with you these things. What, what do we take of that? What do we discern from that? Where does that grace come from? Where does that mercy come from? Where does that fruit of peace come from? It comes out of what's in the middle. What's between those two things? And what's between those things in all of Paul's writings, even in First and Second Timothy, although not to the extent it is in Romans, he's speaking Christ. He's speaking of the work of Christ. He's speaking of the gospel. He's speaking of the cross. So where do those things flow from? From an understanding of the cross, 
an understanding of the words of life. And so the reason for Romans through Second Timothy is that more and more we will come to understand the grace and the mercy and the peace to us. And that as we hear it, then we will realize that it goes with us. As we read it, as we see it in those texts, then he says at the end, may it go with you now. May it go with you now. And it all centers in Christ. This morning, I hope that that you will journey with me as we look into these words, especially as we get into the book of Romans, these words of life, these words that Paul gives us, grace and mercy and truth. We're going to sing together, and uh, then we're going to pray together. But this morning, the song that we sang as the intro to our prayer time, we want to sing it again. His mercy is more. Let's stand it, and then we're going to pray together. What love could remember No wrongs we have done Omniscient, all-knowing He counts not their sum Thrown into a sea Without bottom or shore Our sins, they are many His mercy is more What patience would wait as we constantly roam What father so tender is calling us home He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more Praise the He lavished on us His blood was the payment His life was the cost We stood neath the dead We could never afford Our sins, they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord His mercy is more Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger the darkness, new every morning.
our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Pray with me, will you? Father, we again are reminded of the scriptures that says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We pray, Lord, that as we hear of Christ, that you might strengthen our understanding of your grace and your mercy and peace that we have because of those. Maybe for some, Lord, it would be for the first time they would come to experience those things. For others, we would just grow in our understanding and appreciation of it. In any case, Father, we pray you will do your work by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in God's peace. Thank you.